Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica Studios. Wimbledon is underway. Join now on Inside In. A betting analyst for NBC Sports Edge, Action Network, and Boardroom, Kenny Ducey. He's been on the Tennis Channel Gambling Show as well. Kenny, good to finally chat with you here. Yeah, it's great to be here, Mitch. Long time in the making. We met out in L.A. at that John McEnroe event. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, to talk some tennis with you. We were we were rudely interrupted by Mr. Macron. I know. It was, it was I, great. <laughs> I wasn't going to let anyone interrupt us, but if you've won, you know, seven Grand Slams, you can interrupt me. Uh, but hey, and for six, anybody, maybe not. But yeah, maybe, maybe seven, not. Maybe right. not six. But for anybody out there that wants a question or just ask about not only your background, your credentials, but I just go to the Marin Chilich to win his quarter pick at Roland Garros. That's my first why. You know, eighteen to one, I think. Yeah, it was. I'm trying to rest on those laurels. Yeah. I am. Uh, no, that was that was great. I made sure people knew I had that. Yeah, Chilich beating uh, Medvedev the way he did, and just uh, and it's an unfortunate segue into Wimbledon because Chilich is one of the people that's not able to play this event. We've talked endlessly about the Russian ban, but just brutal for Chilich, and of course Matteo Berrettini not able to play in this tournament. The finalist last year comes back from surgery, wins two grass court events. Everything was building towards this mom- moment, towards this chance a favorable draw opportunity, and then not allowed to play. And uh, you talk about life sometimes in sports not being fair. This just felt like one of those not fair moments because there's no guarantees in this, but this was really shaping up to be a career-defining moment for him. It was, and and that was actually my pick. I I was about to celebrate that the same way I celebrated Marin Cilic because I had him plus 1,300 uh, after he won Stuttgart, which was – I actually talked to some people um, in, inside the gambling world uh, who work at some sports books. And I was like, you know, what, why, what happened? There? Like the guy won Stuttgart, he breaks his hand. He's, mm-hmm. he's plus 800, he drifts out to plus 1300. He wins Stuttgart. He's still at plus 1300. And he was just like, Hey man, it was just, I don't know what else to tell you. It's just odds makers, uh, you know, laziness. And, and that is the beautiful thing about betting tennis sometimes is that, you know, that it is a sport that's very heavily bet. It's uh, you know, you look at the numbers, FanDuel always releases their top sports of the month. That's always in the top five. Yet for some reason, the lines don't get the same attention because, you know, the, the odds makers are, are paying attention to the, the bigger sports, the really heavy handle. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was devastating for Berrettini. I, I thought the draw was tough for him in quarter three. I mean, this quarter is absolutely stacked. We'll talk about it more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way that he has played on grass and this guy outside who just honked his work yeah, with me yeah. over the last three years, you know, everyone knows the numbers. He's only lost three times. Djokovic in the final last year, Federer at Wimbledon and David Goffin. Like, I mean, he is an unstoppable player. Uh, you know, the only way to stop him is to hit to his backhand, but his backhand actually becomes a strength on the grass because right. he slices it so well. And then he can mix in a swinging backhand that he's worked on over the last year. This guy's going to win like four or five Wimbledons on his career, I think. He's Ooh. still super young. Very, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to disagree, right? I mean, Alcaraz looks good this year on grass, which is a surprise. He, he looks okay. 
but in, you know, I don't know who's going to dominate right. on this surface, you know, right. You know, like I would I think it's going to be him. My pushback wouldn't be that I, I think he's a Wimbledon champion, but four or five is that rarefied air of like, we're talking all time, all time greats at this surface. I feel like this next generation and we've been kind of spoiled, obviously, I feel like we're going to have a bunch of players win one or two. So I think that that could be where we're at. But That's I know, fair. Yeah, but I, I definitely see what you're saying. The slice backhand is how he can kind of get around having to go to the, the two-hander that isn't the best part. Perfect for this surface, just a brutal break. But still, as you said, Young, I think he is a player that's going to age well, better than most tennis players. I think he'll be able to play tennis into his 30s at a very high level. I agree. And, and I also think that while he has had some injuries early in his career, he's not a guy that moves a ton, you know, and, and when you talk about, you know, an Andy Murray, mm-hmm. right. Who, uh, you know, like he obviously had to have hip surgery like that, you know, the guys who are, are putting every single ounce of effort, like Alcaraz is going to have issues. Yeah. Nadal had issues, right. The same way, uh, you know, Jensen Brooksby, even like those are guys who give a hundred percent, every single point, yeah. those are guys who are not going to age well. But I do think that, uh, that, you know, like Federer really late into his career, similar with Berrettini, like just the power, the, you know, the way that he doesn't really have to, he's very efficient with his movement. I think he definitely will play well. I, I also will say while we're, before we get off that topic, like you mentioned a lot of the other guys, I do think that Medvedev, the way he played on grass this year, like it will, I mean, you know, until he lost to Tim Van Reitenven, right? Everyone's <laughs> favorite to win Wimbledon. Um, yeah. he, he looked like unstoppable on grass come, you know, yeah. and obviously he's not here at Wimbledon. Um, I think he'll definitely win a couple for sure. So yeah, I mean, when you start to mix that in, you know, maybe our boy Jensen Brooksby gets one, like maybe it is tough to see four or five, but I, I just, I haven't seen anybody who could step to this guy on grass. And I think that it's a shame that we couldn't see him this year because the way that, you know, Djokovic came in without any form and uh, you know, Nadal with the foot and, and, you know, now Chilich even when Chilich had, had dropped out, it seemed even likelier that Berrettini could, could right. you know, get to the final. I mean, it, it, it felt like this year was the year it could break for him, so it, it's tough. But, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely get his Wimbledon very soon. Well, let me ask you this as well, and, and I know you're on it, all tennis betting all the time. Do you find that there's any increased degree of difficulty, I'll say, with the grass court betting, trying to figure out the market, understand things, given the fact that, and the first thing that comes to mind for me is, it's a short season. You don't have the reps. You don't have the results to go off of all the time. Do you find that it's any more challenging to look at the market in grass court tennis? Yeah, it is because like you said, excuse me, the, 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 you know, the form, right? Like I, I, like most betters really struggling here, but we'll bet based on form, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that when you don't have a ton of, uh, you know, even indoor hard courts, right? Indoor hard courts are rare, but you still have more indoor hard court tournaments to For go sure. off of. Oh, this guy's really good indoors. You know, this big surf, Adrian Manorino is good indoors. You know, Riley Opelka's, you know, whoever it may be. Um, yeah, so I think that does make it tough. And also what we see, we see it sometimes on clay where a guy, usually an American or a, a British player, right, will come out of nowhere and just have a great clay court season out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, Dan Evans years ago, Mackenzie McDonald, Steve, remember Steve Johnson, I think went to the third round of the French Open last yeah. year. Uh, it happens all the time, right? A Cam Nori turned into a clay court player also. Um, you know, they, they figure out how to play it. Grass is one of those where, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for players to get really good on grass unless you're like, you have designs on a top 15 ranking. Yeah. Like a guy like Phil Kranovich this year took everybody by surprise because, you know, he had never won a main draw grand slam match. He had, uh, or sorry, main draw grass match. 
he had been in the, you know, around for like 10, you know, 10 plus years. And then all of a sudden we see him and he goes to the final of a grass court tournament because yeah. he just put in all these, all this work on clay or yeah. on grass rather, which was unexpected. And also it's hard to figure out, right? Cause okay, well, he looks okay, but he beat Sam Query. Like right. he's not really a big, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're trying to figure, oh, well, you know, you can make excuses for why he won, but what it boils down to is he's just more comfortable on the surface. He practiced more. So yeah, I think that that's what makes it difficult. Um, I also think that what makes it difficult is that you don't need form to be good on grass necessarily. RBA is a guy that has just been kind of fleeting all year. He stepped onto a grass court and we remembered why he was in Wimbledon semifinals. He was mm-hmm. so good this grass yeah. season and still is, is playing great tennis this grass season. So that's what makes it tricky because if you have, you know, if you have that game, right, if you have that pedigree, mm-hmm. you can just, you can like Sam Query, you know, won some matches on grass. You could just step on a grass and be as good it as seems, you used to be. Certainly um, seems that better last year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Federer uh, last year had, you know, was well, you know, should have lost to Dan Evans, and you know, was really just not playing great yeah. tennis. Steps in, you know, steps onto the court of Wimbledon, makes a run. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that is that's what makes grass unique. Um, there's a lot of different things that make it challenging to bet, but you know, that's why it's fun, right? I mean, I would hate to. I mean, actually, I wouldn't hate to have something that was easy because I would just love to stack my money and retire. But it is nice to have a little bit of a challenge to kind of, you know, think critically and figure out what's going to happen in these in these games or in these matches. Rather, You get more head to head opportunities with the same surface, too. So you can kind of see who matches up well. And uh, another player you mentioned or another player we haven't mentioned yet, but Tommy Paul had never won a match on at Wimbledon. Now he's into the third round comfortably. So. Uh, that's that's kind of my my takeaway too is I like to just observe more rounds one and two. Sometimes it's hard to predict, but uh, the, I guess the easiest guy to predict early on in this tournament, Novak Djokovic, going for what would be the fourth uh, consecutive in terms of when they've had this tournament would be the fourth straight Wimbledon if he defends his title again this year. Uh, loses an opening set, which he's been prone to do in the first match, but looks very comfortable against the Nasi Kokonakis today. And suddenly we're at a point now where we get to by rounds two, three, four, Kenny, where it's like, how do you beat this guy? And who in his way could pose the best challenges? He's just so solid out there that when you also add in the fact that it's best of five, this is about as tough uh, outside of Nadal and Clay. This is about as tough a task as there is in men's tennis. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Like, even look at last year. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Wimbledon necessarily. Jack Draper did take the first set off mm-hmm. him, and same thing with Sudbukwan this year. But like, you know, Lorenzo Musetti goes up two sets to love at the French Open, and so does Sitsipas. And like, that is the thing, right? Like, as much as you think you have the game, you know, to beat one of these guys, it, there is that that intimidation factor. Harmony Tan against Serena Williams. It does not matter if your opponent doesn't look great or is not playing great. You it's just mental. know what you're yeah. up against, right? You know how many grand slams this guy's won. So it is very difficult. Um, but in terms of who's going to stop him, I, I really, I, I don't know. I mean, he is one of the best pushers of all time. He, he pushes that ball back deep. He makes you very uncomfortable. And he he said it before. I watched his his pre-tournament press conference. You know, they were like, hey, I mean, how, how are you, how do, how do you expect to win this tournament? You haven't played any on grass. He's like, well, you know, I never really, I mean, last year I didn't play you know, on grass. I came out and won it. You know, <laughs> he doesn't, he, he knows that he's good on this surface and he, he's very comfortable. It comes back to him naturally. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't help, you know, when you look at the way that his draw opens up for him. Um, I think my boy that I just mentioned, Tim Van Reitman probably matches up with him in the fourth round here. He probably should get by Miomir Ketsmanovic, who's not a, a great grass court player in his own right. And yeah, I mean, you start looking down, and you start to figure out that perhaps, you know, perhaps it's going to have to be someone on the, the bottom half of the draw. And yeah. who, who knows who that's going to be, right? Because 
like we just said, Chilich yeah. and, and Berrettini. My two picks, <laughs> my two picks to come out of quarter three or four have COVID. So uh, if, if this were the COVID bracket, I'd be I'd be rolling well, in dough, but it's not. So, yeah. I, I, I would also just add that the two things that I think Novak's done the most to transform his game from great to just ultra, ultra, one of the, if not the best ever, was increase his ability as a server. He's way more accurate, way more precise, way more clutch there. And also, it's it's the the calling card of him at, at Wimbledon is if I go to a tie break, if I go to a big game, he locks it down, no errors. The Federer tie break and the Wimbledon final, the match tie break. Yep. He just doesn't make mistakes out there, and that's when you get you talk about pushing. Sometimes it's used derogatorily. Uh, in this case, it's a compliment. He just does not make mistakes out there. So, the person that beats him will have to beat him three out of five sets where they're out out hitting him. And good luck with that. Would be my advice. <laughs> Yeah, and like yeah. and like we were just talking about Berrettini, how dominant dominant hit he is. I mean, he played an excellent final last year. Yeah. He, you know, was he was a clutch server. Berrettini, as our friend Caleb Hammond likes to say, maybe the best clutch server of all time, at least since Sampras. He was serving, he he saved so many break points in that match. He was crushing the ball, right? Like not he did nothing wrong and you know, gets broken twice in the final in in the fourth set, loses in four. Yeah, I mean it's it you it, like you said about the serve, I think that the, that's definitely worth noting that the service motion is different and he, and he obviously hits it with more consistency, uh, adds a little bit of mm-hmm. miles an hour over the last five or 10 years. And then, you know, also the drop shot, obviously, which has helped him a lot on clay, but yeah. also, you know, we see it with Carlos Alcaraz. If you have a guy that just consistently finds depth, you know, it, it is it is quite remarkable what he does. And also when you look, I mean, especially in this field, there's a reason why he's a big favorite. Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat him. Um, one person that's had success in that regard, maybe the only person playing right now that's had success in that guard, Rafael Nadal, wins his first match at Wimbledon. A lot of speculation of whether or not he's even going to play this tournament. He wins in four sets. But not the easiest match in the world, and he's been out in the open saying, pretty much saying he's going to give it his best shot with the foot. The fact that he's playing Wimbledon, Kenny, I think is a direct response to winning those first two majors. Don't know that Absolutely. he'd be here without that. Reasonable expectations for Rafael Nadal are always to win any tournament that he's in, but I do think this is one we're going to have to monitor, the health factor. And I hate to say it, but the fact that he's playing long physical matches aren't going to help him. I think the best thing for him going forward would be quick matches if he can get off the court as quickly as possible. Of course. That, that's why I didn't really love him at Roland Garros because of his draw and especially that Zverev match. You know, Zverev doesn't turn his ankle. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to all the Roth fans out there. He doesn't win that match. Like, that match was going to go five hours. There's no way on that foot that Rafael Nell was going to be able to outlast him. So, yeah, I mean, you look at just getting a set taken off him by Francisco Serundolo, who played an excellent match. Uh, he, I think that guy is going to develop into a quite a good grass court player. Uh, he had some some decent performances this year. Um, and you know, I mean, Lorenzo Sanigo match, if Sanigo is able to, uh, to get through here, I mean, that's, that's going to be another tough one, right? Because he, he has a grass court title under his belt. I think he takes a set in that match for sure. He has a ton of pop on the serve in the forehand, like Rafa, Rafa is going to be chasing down those balls and, you know, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no Marin Cilic, uh, in the fourth round, but I, I just think he's going to get battered and bruised along the way through this draw. And like, that's just not something we normally say about, you know, the Nadal's, the Federer's, the Djokovic's when they're in these draws, like we just usually expect them to come through without dropping a set pretty easily. But yeah, I mean, I think we already saw it and the more time on court, the worse for him. And like, I, you know, like I'm also saying about the other quarters and frankly, the, the top half of this quarter, 
there is going to be a good player coming out and playing Rafael Nadal, assuming he gets to the quarterfinal. Uh, and it is going to be an American player, which is very exciting. Um, you know, I, Thank I, you, Matt. It, uh, hopefully, anyway, yeah. there's three Americans that you're looking at, I think, here uh, that could certainly get there. I would think Jerome, Fritz, or Cressy, or, or Sock, rather, uh, would have a good chance of getting to that match. And, you know, you, you want to talk about the, you just, the proverbial favorite to get there would be Taylor Fritz. And Taylor mm-hmm. Fritz, I mean, he already has the win over Rafa. Um, you know, the, the, the foot will definitely be a factor there. And that guy is just going to be absolutely relentless with that forehand. I mean, this, the sheer amount of power that Rafa's going to have to face is just going to be so difficult. And, you know, that's what makes all his Grand Slam wins this year crazy, right? He had heat stroke. Remember that? Again, and Manorino. Yeah, that Manorino match. as well. Yeah. 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 And then, <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the, the rib at, at Indian Wells, and he still manages to play through that, and, and he didn't end up losing. But, I mean, this guy just has, has just continued to prove us wrong. So I'm not going to, like, put my life savings against Rafa, but I, I will continue to say, like, the deck is definitely stacked against him. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. More with Kenny Ducey here on Tennis Channel Inside In. I would agree with that previous statement. It looks like Fritz could be the guy to come out and challenge Rafa. Uh, Another shout-out to you as well for the Cressy over Felix pick. That was a gutsy first-round call. Heavy four-set match. Shout-out to Max Cressy, who played his college tennis at UCLA, has really developed himself into a a good-to-great tennis player, great on this grass court surface with the old-school throwback serve-and-volley style. And what I appreciated watching it, what I thought was the biggest takeaway for me, Kenny, in that match was Cressy stayed in the moment. He stayed in in a point-by-point approach to where he didn't let his mind wander into such a huge victory. It's easy to say you're in the moment and you're you're not looking at it, but he just beat a top-10 guy in the world, a guy who's on fire, who had been playing as consistent as anyone in the Grand Slams, and he didn't unravel. He he, he stayed in it, and shout-out to Max Cressy for getting – the biggest win of his life at Wimbledon. Yeah, and what I wanted to say was sort of goes hand in hand with that is that in that match, you know, he just he just did what he knows works for him. He just continued to hammer, you know, go aggressive on those returns, stand inside the baseline. Um, you know, obviously his whole career, right, has been I'm just going to do the same thing every time on my serve and you're not going to break me and it works. Um, but I think also like a microcosm of a season because we remember early in the year, you know, he had that battle with Rafa in the final in whatever it was, Adelaide or whatever the one of the summer set matches was, um, ends up breaking him back in the second set, tight, tight match. You know, he had, he, he exploded onto the scene. He took a set, probably almost, he probably should have taken Daniel Medvedev five sets at the Australian Open. Um, and then like, you know, all of a sudden he plays in a Delray Beach match. It's windy. You know, you see how sometimes the confidence levels can, can be shaken for players. Um, and, you know, he's obviously not a great clay court player. He's never going to be with his style of play, but I applaud him for sticking with it and just continuing to just motor through. And he knew when he came, when he stepped out of a grass court that he was going to have an advantage, that he was going to be able to win, win matches his way again. And he did it. He had a great grass season. He came out here. He beat Felix. It was yeah. an amazing win. And frankly, he kind of reminds me of another guy in the draw, in Marco Schiarone. Similar situation. Ooh, I was yeah. watching him at Miami too. And uh, he lost his first round match and he just turned his box. He goes, every match is exactly the same. And this is so right. Like this guy lost like what, seven or eight matches in a row. Yeah. 
So that is the thing about tennis too, is, is the people who are just continue to power through um, and don't let themselves fall into an Ugo Umber situation. Uh, you got it. You got to just tip your hat because that takes a lot of willpower. It takes a lot of determination to get through those dark days. And Cresty certainly did it. And he's reaping the rewards right now on grass. And the surface difference too. You mentioned Garone hit his big win over Holger Rune. Uh, you have the fact that Umber, as you mentioned, beats Casper Rude. Grass court different than clay, and we're starting to see why as well. Uh, but good to see those guys fight through. I think just kind of putting a bow on what the men's side is, there's been other upsets, there's been other opportunities there. I, I guess we should also mention Nick Kyrgios because he played a local British guy, and it was the full Nick Kyrgios experience, right? You had five sets, you had back and forth with the crowd, the umpires, the post-match mini, mini reaction tirade there. Uh, I guess this is no surprise anymore that this is the Kyrgios experience. It's it's also somebody that I think is, by his own admission, you know, here for a good time, not a long time. So who knows how many more matches he has left? Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I was excited to talk about Nick because I, I think that, you know, look, it's going to be a tough match if he meets RBA in the in the fourth round. But to me right now, I mean, he is one of the betting favorites to win this tournament. And I think it's with good reason because that bottom half is wide open. If he can get through Sitsipas, a player he just played at Beaton Hala, and get through RBA, uh, which will be an incredible clash, uh, one that we were robbed of at, in, uh, I think, Hurtagenbosch, or no, uh, it, I think it was Hala. Um, you know, I think that he's got to be the favorite to come out of that half, and that's crazy to say about a guy that, you know, was broken serving for the match in, in the fifth set in his first match. It, you know, look, we, we know tennis pretty well. I mean, you know as well as I do. Going five sets in your first match doesn't really mean, you know, that you can't win, right? Or you can't go deep. I right. think he certainly can. I think this is the most fit, I mean, the most fit that he's been. Last year at Wimbledon, he won a couple matches. He had to win one across two days. And then, you know, obviously the body gave out. Like he's played a lot of tennis this year. He is match fit. And I think it's a combination of the most match fit, the most mentally focused. Um, obviously, you're going to have the tirades. You know, that's mm -hmm. him. You know, he, he, he admits that he is he's a, a different guy when he steps on that court. But like, we've seen him go toe to toe with Nadal and, and Medvedev and like, you know, beats up. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he just absolutely washed Rublev in Miami. He's had a great season, you know, for, yeah. for Nick Kyrgios standards, right? This guy played what 15 matches last year. He's come out. He's, he's had some excellent results this year and he's been very focused and he's been admit, he, he's admitted that, you know, whatever it's going on off court with him in his personal life, like it's improved and, you know, he, he feels better about, you know, where he is and, and just sort of accepts yeah. his role of like, I'm just going to do a part-time schedule and do what works for me. And he's, he's, he's making it work. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's got a great chance the way he serves that first match against Paul Jubb. First of all, we know Paul Jubb's talented, you know, South Carolina product won the, the national title there, but like, I mean, he didn't, Kyrgios didn't serve well at all. And right. I think the biggest takeaway for me in that match was that he was broken serving for the match and he still won, which I thought was pretty incredible, yeah. right? I mean, that, he had every right to just start yelling at his box, yelling at yeah. the chair umpire. Oh my gosh, I, I can't, you know, uh -huh. he stuck with it. He he got a break and he won. And I thought that was really impressive. The game's been there. The confidence, it's always been there. Uh, I just, my pause isn't in any one match. It's the mental test for him of going seven straight. And RBA, you hit the nail on the head. That's a frustrating matchup for anybody. And Nick can get frustrated easily playing a guy that is going to keep getting every ball back. Any one match as dangerous as possible. Uh, I don't know that I would put the faith of him to go the distance, but who knows? He could be turning over a new leaf here. And uh, if he's in shape, that's going to be the biggest thing for him is that he's still physically able to go. Uh, you know, you mentioned Sitsipas. I just want to say this is an opportunity. I don't want to say of a lifetime, 
But I've always thought we've always thought that he could have success on grass. He has the game to do it. The style fits it. The draw is not the most challenging he's seen. This is a chance for him. Like, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see where he's at physically as well as mentally. But this is an opportunity for sure for Stefanos. I agree. I think he's had a great grass season. And last year, the hangover from the French Open, coupled with not playing any grass, really did him in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's got one of the best forehands, if not the best forehand on tour. Ryo Pelka will tell you he has the best forehand on tour. And yeah, you're right. I mean, he definitely should be better on grass. He has a great opportunity in front of him. But I will say, whether it's Sitsipas or Kyrgios coming through and playing RBA, whoever it is, RBA, mm-hmm. Sitsipas, Kyrgios wins that fourth round match these guys are just all gonna be absolutely destroyed by that, jensen brooksby in the quarterfinal jensen you know? okay still confident on jensen i mean i and i don't dislike Plus 2000 him. to win the quarter as of this recording it, it's not it's not terrible not worried about not Kibonzi. worried about the not worried about the i know it's grass and it's different but the momentum hasn't really been there for him heading into this tournament and you're a baseball guy i know this i i thought the theory of well maybe jensen with this unique different style is like a pitcher that comes onto the scene with an unorthodox style, or maybe he goes AL to NL, and they don't know what, they've never seen him before. The hitters haven't seen him before. I've started to see the second time around that maybe Brooksby's not taking these players by surprise like before. I, I think there's a level to that. And I think, though, I mean, we saw it with, you know, he, he, he bageled Goffon the uh, uh, just a, like about a month ago yeah um i think it was in miami or, or maybe it was uh it was after afterward but like he i i think there's something to be said for when he, the first time he plays a player he always uh bamboozles them Every and time. i think that while there are obvious you know there are obvious concerns with the next time you know it, it, players playing him multiple times then figuring out he is a very good game planner and i think personally like he still has a great game for grass i think he's still Probably a lot of the shortcomings the last few months have been his own. Like, I think that he just hasn't played the clean brand of tennis that he's been known to play. Like, he's made a lot of mistakes himself, and he's just – that was his whole reason he came up is didn't really make a lot of mistakes. He'll, he'll, he'll bait you in the long rallies and then just, you know, throw something crazy at you. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I think he's – I have faith the guy's way. He's still 35 in the world. Yeah. After Wimbledon, he's going to be even higher, I, I think, because he doesn't have any points to defend here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's – uh, I mean, look, maybe he's maybe he's not going to be the number one player in the world in the next year. Uh, maybe he's not going to be top five. But I certainly think that the future is still very bright. I mean, we've seen it. You know, I, I mean, he just is a crazy competitor. And yeah, there's no way true. he's just going to let failure become him. Uh, we know that. So we'll see. I mean, maybe he maybe improves the serve over the next two years. Who knows what will happen? But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not losing I'm not losing faith like you are. I think, okay. that, yeah, maybe maybe let's. Maybe let's slow the roll and let him develop as a tennis player. Like that's sort of where I am at. Like I, I think I maybe that's, was yeah. too excited too early. That's but probably. I don't. I don't think he's. Yeah. It's a grind. I mean, to be a pro tennis player and have success at this level, you see it a lot. Where the rankings, you into the top fifty, and then you take a step back to take two steps forward. So, I think, and you see it on the women's side too, with someone like Emma Raducanu who wins that major and then drops down and is having to, you know, adjust to life as a pro. A couple more things on the men before we switch to the women. Carlos Alcaraz, just want to mention him briefly, wins his first two matches. Grass is a new surface for him as a pro, obviously. But he's passing these tests with flying colors. He's fighting. Strofe was a brutal first-round draw. He figures him out. And I think how his game translates and how he makes those slight adjustments to this surface is going to be fun to watch. But nobody is doubting that a player of this capability can adjust. It's just a matter of how that process will be. 
Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. I also just I, I'm sorry, like I I I see him play and like I, he just doesn't look comfortable on grass. Like I'm not saying he you know he, he his serve is obviously out of nowhere in the last like five months developed into this incredible right. weapon. Whereas he was hard, he was struggling to hold serve yeah. during the Golden Swing. That was a huge problem for him. Um, you know, his serve is is you know he's got so much pop and so yeah, with that he's going to be good on grass. He just doesn't seem to have his legs underneath him. I don't think right now. I think this this Oscar Otta match is going to be really tough for him, just as tough as the Struth match was. Yeah. And with all the you know, with all this being said, like it's hard for me to see him uh, to see him winning this tournament or winning a Wimbledon. You know, even in the next couple of years, ever he oh, has okay. to play I, more on this surface. Yeah, I'm he, not. He, he's going to win multiple, right? Like I mean, I know that John Macaron on ESPN was like, "Oh, this guy's going to win like you know three or four slams." Like I mean, this guy might win like. Yeah, he thinks he's going to win more than ten. This guy is—that's how good this guy is, and I think everyone would agree. Like he is unbelievable. Tenzel, I mean, at such I, a young age. I'm not—I'm not bashing Alcaraz at all. I think he could win. Me neither. I'm just saying, I, right? I like, he, he, yeah. he is going to take some time before. I, he's yeah, able exactly. To I agree that he's yeah. not ready yet to win Wimbledon. That would be my take too. I, ten is a lot of majors, and I, it's like I know that's only half. It's not even half of what these other guys have. But a ten-time major champion. Like Pete Sampras won 14 is like an afterthought. Like we're probably not going to see 14 for a long time. So if he but, gets a 10, let me ask you this: you, know. you look at the. I'm not even talking about the yeah. guys who are up right now. I'm not even talking about Medvedev, who's what mm-hmm. 26 or 27. Yeah. Um. You know, Sitsipas, like whatever. Like we know that Alcaraz, with the exception of the Medvedev thing, because we haven't really. I think we saw them head to head one time, and it was yeah. when he was like a baby. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we know that he can beat Sitsipas, right? We know that he can beat uh, Berrettini. Uh, he he just uh, he did on clay. He, pr- he probably should have at the Australian Open. Like, I'm not even talking about those guys. I'm talking about the next generation of players. I think he's much better than Holgeru, and I think he's better than Jensen Brooks, Bionic Center. You go through the the list. Um, you know, it's going to have to take someone just as special as he is because like as as good as this next crop of guys is, like Corda? none of them hold a candle to Corda Alcaraz. We saw Alcaraz crush Corda uh, yeah. twice. Uh, I mean, Corda got him. Won, Korda right? got him, then him at Monte Carlo. Twice. Yeah. I, the, I agree set, he's at the yeah. perch, but I, I think upsets historically, granted in the big three era, they didn't happen as much, but guys will get beaten. And if Alcaraz finishes with 10 slams, let's say exactly 10, he's 19 now. That leaves a lot of slams for everybody else to kind of split up. And I no, do think, you're right. You're I think right. we're going to live Ten in is, a world. 10's a modest number. It is. <laughs> a, I, I just, yeah. he's already a top two or three favorite in every slam yeah. according to odds makers. And that's going on the last two slams. 10 puts him I mean, as the top 10 player ever. Like, you know, clear as day, like seven or eighth on the all time list, probably even higher. So, I mean, he, <laughs> he's got the talent, man. Like he's, yeah. he's already uh, that good. Like that's, what's cra- I mean, look, I, obviously you, uh-huh. there's so many unforeseen like injuries yeah. or, you know, anything right. Mm-hmm. Uh, could derail his career, but like the way that he's going right now, I mean, you have, that's what you sort of have to reasonably expect. I think. Yeah. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Marth Kennedy Ducey here on Tennis Channel Inside In. I got to get your thoughts on the women's game. Uh, Igis Fiontek, obviously, no surprise at the top of all sports books, crushes in her first round match and sets the record with 36 straight wins, most in the 21st century. 
same kind of discussion we had basically word for word with Novak Djokovic. I start looking at the draw. Who can challenge her? Who can push her? Maybe even take a set. I think unders and Iga has been the biggest cash grab that there is. Just betting unders in her matches, you'd be just crushing it at most clips. But looking at the draw, I mean, I think <laughs> if she loses before the quarterfinals, it'd be a, a huge stunner. I think the Barbara Krajikova could give her a little bit of a trouble there in, in the fourth round well, if Krajikova was able to come through, uh, you know, I, I would assume Alia Tomdanovich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, that that's going to be a tricky one. I know that she's probably the favorite in that by quite some margin. But, I mean, the other thing about it is, like, we haven't seen Sviatik play that much grass. We certainly haven't seen her play grass yet this year until Wimbledon. And, you know, what, she loses three games in her first first uh yeah, match sure. but like a you know Deanna Fett like you know I, I I don't know I I'm I'm willing to because the men seem so assured at this point with Djokovic I'm sort of willing to play devil's advocate on a lot of different like on maybe Iga Sviatek losing I would agree that like you know she's Elise Elise Cornette like probably not going to be a, a tough test for her but I think Krajikova could be tough Krajikov's probably gonna be tougher than if she gets, you know, Jessica Pagula here, um, or or you know, Andrescu. But like, you know, Andrescu could be tough too. Like, I think on grass, especially, you know, Sviatek's great defense, like, doesn't really. I don't know if it's it's able to do enough against right. a player that has so much power. I also love like all the sounds of yeah. New York City coming through New York my microphone, on here. and it's I good. hear them in my headphones because <laughs> I they're coming through your speakers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I, I you know. I would agree. I would say one thing while we're talking about the women's side. I, I mean, I, we, we came into this tournament and uh, Christina Pliskova, or Carolina Pliskova, rather, not, not Christina, um, was, I think, plus 3,800 to win. And I thought that was insane, and I still think it's insane. Last year's finalist. What, like, what we're just talk, we were just talking about this on grass, right, Mitch? It doesn't really matter if you don't have that form. Ugo and Bear won seven matches all year, comes out, beats the number three seed on the men's side, which, you know, that whole other story about Casper not being able to play on grass, whatever. But, like, still, I mean, she steps on a grass court. It's really like she never left. Um, you know, easy first-round win. Um, you know, I think that she'll she'll beat Katie Volter, and then all of a sudden the draw really opens up. I favor her over uh, Sorbus Tormo and Coco Goff, Pliskova. If we get that match, that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. But, like, ultimately, yeah, I mean, I – you know, there's the, the level of disrespect for last year's finalist, someone who took a set off of Ash Barty, which is hard to do. You know, that's that's uh, that's that's someone who could sneak up on the field and even sneak up on Sviatek. I think, I, I think I, there's a lot to that. I think, again, it's like the Berrettini thing when he was not before he got COVID. Like, if he's healthy, if he's playing his game, it suits the surface, you can have success. The thing is, with all the value you can get, even at 38 to 1 is crazy. With women's tennis, I've noticed, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, like I feel like you can still get great value when you get to the fourth round in quarterfinals to pick the tournament winner because yeah. of how much of a favorite Iga is that also it's just hard to figure out who that next up is. So maybe that's a better way to look at it. I agree with you on Pliskova and Coco being a huge match, huge ramifications. Coco didn't look great in her first match. She did survive, and she showed that competitive spirit, but she's going to have to clean stuff up because – playing a server like Pliskova, if we do get that match, is a mega jump up. She's not going to have the ability to break back as much if you don't protect your servers, you know. So um, that that's something where I would kind of wait to see who wins that match and then maybe push my chips in. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the the, the risk. But mm-hmm. I will also say if Goff wins that match, you know, she's going to the semifinals. God forbid Halep loses. I mean, Goff's odds. She's already such a public bet. 
and she was what mm-hmm. plus twelve hundred coming into the tournament. Something around that. I yeah. mean, her odds are going to be very short. Like she'll yeah. probably be plus five hundred, maybe. If, if he gets still, I mean, yeah, if he gets still in it, that's where you're at. Um, no, I. Right. It's you try to find value here. Egos earn the right. I know it's grass, so maybe we're thinking, okay, this is a different surface. Let's see what obstacles are there. We also need players to step up. That's the other side of this. No disrespect to Iga, but there hasn't been anybody emerging. Maybe it's somebody that we said. Maybe it's, you know, Anjabor doing well. She's got, you know, she's rising up the ranks, two or three now in the world. So could be her. Um, we'll see. I just. It could I, be Coco. Could I be mean, Coco. The thing, about, the thing about Iga, which is crazy, is like last year she was losing so many matches. And that's what's so funny. She goes up against all, I mean, even like Sakari or, or Jabor. Like you look at the head-to-head, like, oh, wow, like the other player owns the head-to-head or they beat her last year. Sakari match was the one It doesn't matter. It flipped she everything. Just, all of a sudden, she, yeah, she, they she played, flipped that switch. and They played in, in Doha, I think, I think in Doha. And it was, she beat her for the first time in her career, Sakari. And that was kind of the beginning of this mega streak. And it was like, okay, yep. I could beat her. I could keep it going. Um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see. I just, I would love to see, as I think you're in the same camp, some rivalries, you know, I want to see some drama in here. Uh, but if Ega rolls through Wimbledon, then it's like, <laughs> it's like, where do we go now? <laughs> you know? So, um, I mean, we got to wait for the, the, you know, the, 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 the WTA version of Carlos Alcaraz to come along if it's not already Spiatek because yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's why I'd say Coco Golf. like she is still a teenager, right? Yeah. She's still super young. Like she I, could. She could definitely hit that switch like she's got, did. She's already sort of done it this year. And yeah. she's got levels to go up. Like, love love a lot of her game, most of it. Absolutely adore her competitive drive and her spirit out there. The serve has gotten better. It's not, you know, it, it's still got some vulnerabilities. The forehand breaks down. And that's the part of her yeah. game where she can overcome it against certain players, almost all of them. But the French Open final, and Iga's smart, and these top players are smart. They know, okay, I'm just going to... Here you go. Here's balls to your forehand. Prove me wrong. So, but but I say that yes, she's still a teenager. There is levels to go up. So, that said though, I did want to get your thoughts, Kenny, on uh, the Serena first round match against Harmony Tan. Wasn't the highest level of tennis. I think we can agree on. Uh, but Serena's fighting out there. Pretty remarkable at her age to go three hours versus a younger, fitter, by all accounts, player, and really push her to the to the max. But I looked at this as saying. A couple of different things. One being the old Roger Federer quote when he lost to Djokovic in the 2008 Australian Open where he created a monster, essentially. We just expect greatness from these players for all times. And it doesn't necessarily work like that. The other is I think she showed flashes of the old Serena, but she has to commit to playing a schedule, not a full schedule, a semblance of a schedule to have a chance to really unlock something else. Will she do it? I don't know. But that was my takeaway. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on Serena, the match, and where she goes from here? Well, that was where it was last year because she did play sort of a schedule. Right? She played some matches. She got some match fitness, and, you know, she still wasn't able to really come through with a, with a Grand Slam win in mean, the last the last couple of years, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I, look, I, it wasn't, as you mentioned, it wasn't a high level. She, I, I, Look, I, Caroline Wozniacki, and who knows, obviously, women's tennis better than I do, said that she thought Serena was moving very well. I disagree. Uh, she hit some great return winners, and that's why she's such a threat on grass because she has that power, right? So it doesn't really matter how she moves. Like, she's just going to – she can hit you off the court because that's what she's always done. With that said, you know, there were some flashes, but ultimately it, it just it, – you know, if you're going to talk about winning a Grand Slam, especially – you know, we just had this whole discussion about how dominant Sviatek is, and even Simona Halep and 
you know, I mean, there, there's plenty of other potentials of, you know, people to, to stand their way, like, you know, in Andrescu, a, a Sakari, right, who's mm-hmm. come along and played excellent tennis, a Coco Golf, like, Serena Williams, there's a, di- there's a clear difference between, oh, she's going to contend for the title and, oh, she's going to win a couple matches. And like the la- the former or the latter was was even very generous, as we saw. The latter, the former was just crazy. I mean, because she was plus, she was 20 to one to win Wimbledon this year, which is stupid. Like, yeah. you know, she hasn't played in a year. And I, you know, for all the things we say about grass that you don't really need form, that's crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that, I thought that it was kind of you know sad because like we do expect these players who are the greatest players ever to to be great, but like, you know, also um, it, it was sad because the things that she had to celebrate just weren't things that we would normally see her celebrate, right? Like just handling an easy volley at the net, tears of joy. That's what it meant to her, right? Like yeah. she she has hit that shot. You know, she she handles volleys. You know, whatever she she puts away easy winners with with so much court all the time and doesn't, you know, really, I mean, she lets, she's always been great at letting her emotions go and, and showing you how she feels, but like, you know, that wasn't, she was celebrating big match wins, you know, big you know, t- deciding tie breaks and quarterfinals mm-hmm. of grand slams, not, yeah. uh, you know, not trying to serve out a match against Harmony Tan. So that was what was sad about it for me. And I think that's also proof that she has a long way to go if she really does want to compete in a grand slam, but it was entertaining. And I think that's really all that we could have asked was like, we saw Juan Martín del Potro leave the court this year in tears. We saw Roger Federer, uh, you know, get injured again and have to go away for for a year. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there have been a ton of sad comebacks. That could have been a lot worse. And I think yeah. she proved a lot to herself. She proved a lot to all of us that she can still play tennis, right? I mean, Harmony Tan is, what, world number 151, but she's also not, like, world number 400, right? right. I mean – you know, she she uh, she definitely showed something to us out there, and also Harmony Tan. Speaking of the the Potra match, just transformed into Federico da Bonas <laughs> in that match. She was hitting so many drop shots, just so just so crazy. But there's a difference between Wimbledon first round and like the freaking Argentina Open. Like, give me a break, Fetty. Come on, dude. I'm <laughs> still, still not over that. That was so, so bushly. Final game. Final game of Juan Martín del Potro's Chris got hitting drop shots. He's already up a break. Let the guys serve out the mat. Let's, let's come on, dude. Let him let him hold. That's funny. That was that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, yeah. I mean, I you would agree, right? Yeah, I, it was a little much. And given the stakes, I, I do. Uh, tennis. Get back it's to an st- ATP 250. A fellow countryman, a legend, your friend. He's supposed to be his friend, and he's drop shotting him. He's already up we a got, break. Give me a freaking. Yeah, we got to get oh, we got to get a status check on that friendship. Uh, <laughs> Now, getting back to tennis and Serena, it's just such a physical sport, even on grass. They went three hours, and, you know, to think that Serena would have had to, like, to be to win the tournament, do that six more times is just, it's hard. And, I, yeah, I just, she's done so much great things in her career that when she doesn't, we're like, what's wrong? What's going to happen? And, you know, the standard she set is just sometimes it's, for all of them, too tough to keep living up to. We'll see where she goes from here. Any any opportunity to see her play is an, is a good opportunity. It's a blessing at this point, but we'll have to monitor that. Um, Kenny, this was fun talking to you on Tennis Channel Inside In. Where do you stand? The last thing. Where do you stand on, uh, you know, Fakina getting to, getting the point penalty against Vesley to lose a match with everybody's favorite umpire Carlos Ramos in the chair. I mean, come on, delaying the inevitable. Vesley was going to hit an ace and win the match anyway, but that was pretty funny. Uh, that was, yeah. uh, it was quite, you know, it's a, you always know uh, when the player just sort of is, is like giving a half-hearted argument. Like he was just like, oh no, but there was the coaching one. There was the time. Well, one. how like, do they not know the know, rules? Like th- there's so many tennis I, I players. I guess we talked about this before. Yeah. 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 
There's so many. Especially a guy like Fakina, yeah. who always breaks rackets, yeah. throws. You know, <laughs> the, the guy gets a lot of code violations. He has a lot of fines against his name. He should know what and, the deal is. And uh, I and I spoke quite heartedly. I spoke quite quite heartedly there about Ramos. But the thing is, like every athlete, basketball, you know, a referee with a quick whistle, like adjust accordingly. This is kind yep. of how it is. Uh, now, unfortunate ending, yep. but five set. You know, we've had some good match tie breaks in there. Uh, it's been good. Uh, Kenny, this is great. We'll follow you on Twitter, follow all your stuff. And then, uh, you know, I guess we'll just see you tweeting about tennis and Aaron judge. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's nice. I used to tweet on t- yeah. about tennis years ago and it would fall on deaf ears. Cause I have a bunch of, you know, baseball, basketball mm-hmm. followers, but I'm starting to starting to, to, to find my friends on here. So it's great. It's great to be here. I hope to do it again. Hope to see you in person again. Let yeah. me know if you're coming out to the U S open. That'd be great. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to my next appearance already. Appreciate it. You can catch him and as a betting analyst for NBC sports edge action network and for boardroom, Kenny Ducey. Thanks for joining tennis channel inside in. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for this and every one of our shows. We'll be back next week to talk more Wimbledon. A lot to go in this tournament at the All England Club. For Kenny Ducey, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.